This is Amy Hall and Greg Kokel, and you're listening to Stand to Reasons, hashtag STRask podcast. This first question, Greg, mm-hmm. uh, comes from a thoughtful dude. We've been getting some new people, which is great, which is great. All right. Um, and he asks, my daughter works as a social case manager. Today, she was handed a pride pin by her boss to fix to her lanyard. She took it but won't use it. How do you suggest she respond when slash if she is asked why she's not wearing it? This is her dream job. <clears throat> well, this um, my I have a very simple response, and uh, I I I can tell you right now this is not going to um, sit well with people, but it ought to. Um. The response is, we wear pins like that in support of an idea or an ideology. I, d- I don't support the ideology of the idea, so I'd rather not wear the pin. Or I'm not going to wear the pin. It's, if, if, if you, and now if you want to carry it further, if uh, somebody said, um, okay, uh, <laughs> If I were your, let's, I'm going to role play this, but, but boss, if there's a complaint, if I were your boss and I was Roman Catholic and I said, it's Ash Wednesday and everyone has to have ash on their forehead because we are celebrating Ash Wednesday, would you consider that appropriate? It's actually a great illustration, mm-hmm. a great parallel. Would you consider it appropriate? No. Why not? Well, you're forcing, because I don't believe in that and having the ash <clears throat> is a is an expression of my support of that or my belief in it right so why should you be forced to promote something or manifest something that you disagree with now of course nobody's going to give a I'm trying to think of nice uh, they're not going to care about that they don't care about that. They do not care about liberty and freedom. I'm seeing emotion about this. It really bugs me. What they care about is forcing people to promote their ideas and using their power to force others to do things in good conscience they should not be forced to do. This is a power move to force people to promote a, an, an, an indoctrinated concept that they may disagree with. But this, to me, is the most defensible to, de- to deny. Sorry, I'm not going to wear the ribbon. I'm not going to wear the flag. I'm not wear the thing. You work for us. Oh, then that's, I do, but I'm not yours. My conscience does not belong to you. What I wear on my body expresses my conscience. Is this a Christian organization? Of course not. I'm wearing a cross. Do I have to take my cross off because you guys don't believe in it? I mean, I'm just role-playing kind of questions here. And uh, my wearing this piece identifies me with this thing, but I don't agree with this thing. Now, uh, I'm not making a fuss about the thing. You guys want to promote it? That's up to you. You're making me promote it. I can't do that. I think you've given some good ideas there, Greg. Um I suspect she won't be asked. I think there are a lot of people out there that 
they're doing what they're expected to do. The bosses are handing these things out, but they probably don't want trouble over it. I'm sure there are people who do, but I'm sure there are a lot of people who aren't. So maybe you won't even be asked. But I, I like the examples that you gave. I, I have another idea, too. She could also say, I am happy to wear any pen that promotes social work. Any kind of social work organization, because that's what this job is, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm here to do. Um, but I'm, but this is unrelated to my job, and this is this is something. This is um, a controversial thing mm-hmm. that's unrelated to my job. So it doesn't make sense to me to wear this, and I'm not I'm not going to put other things on my mm-hmm. lanyard. If I'm here as a social worker, and that's what I'm here to do. Yeah, that that's a, a much milder approach, which people may want to take, but I don't think it goes to the heart of it. Okay, that is questioning the um, the employers, the propriety of the employer promoting something unrelated to the business. Well, wait a minute, I I I don't agree with this. So it's kind of like if you had, <clears throat> you have to wear a, a little green flag or whatever, because it's St. Patrick's Day. Well, that's not related to the business, but it's just a little, but it is ideologically neutral. All right. But the same complaint could be raised there. I don't want to wear this because it's not related to my job. The complaint here is it's a promotion. I mean, the concern here is that this is an active promotion of something you think is wrong and shouldn't be promoted. And so the appeal that the worker is making is not to object to the wrong and to the promotion. If other people want to do it, that's their business. It's to object to being forced to promote something they think is wrong. This is where I think that people have to say no. And if nobody says no, all these bullies, and I'm using my words advisedly, these people are bullies. All of these bullies are going to keep bullying, okay? If we just say something, no, then now if, it, if push comes to shove, okay, I think you could be more aggressive in, in, um, in terms of making your point and ask the question, why is it for me to do my work here that I have to promote your politics? I have to promote your politics. Explain that to me. And then you can use other illustrations. If the, if if would if there were Christians or Roman Catholics, whatever you know, like the examples that I gave, you got to wear a cross. It's Easter. You got to wear a cross. It's Lent. You have to have Ash Wednesday ashes. If it's this is a um, Advent, so we have to put a religious wreath up. Or wear one on your thing. Forcing others to do that. You know, would that be? Everybody's got to wear a Trump pin because that's what I believe. See, they wouldn't agree with any of that stuff. It, not only would they not agree with it, they would be they would be aghast at the suggestion. Yet this is exactly the same kind of thing. Part of my conviction about these kinds of things is if more people don't just say no, then that just emboldens the left to do these illicit things. And uh, there, there's no CRT as an example, or if you want to call it EID, and that's uh, equity, inclusion, and diversity, which is just another acronym. It's the same thing. These are all these classes that are that that are people are being forced to take. Are, are these are this is all politics? 
It's all politics. Why do I have to be indoctrinated by your politics in order to be um, in order to be uh, able to work here? Oh, this is so that we can have more harmony here. This doesn't create harmony; it creates division. It's only harmony if you intimidate people into not disagreeing. Then you don't have disagreement, but that's because you're using power to silence people. This isn't real harmony. Anyway, I wish more people would try to speak out. Mm -hmm. And again, simply refuse to participate in our indoctrination. That's all. You're not opposing the idea itself. This is just a refusal to be used as a pawn in this whole process. And um, more and more people are standing up for that, and I wish that they would. And and if the if the guy says if you don't wear the pin you're going to be fired, and then I think the person should say, all right, are you ready for a lawsuit? Do you feel strongly enough about this to put up with a lawsuit because I am not wearing a pin that promotes your political ideas? And then I'd sue. I'd go to an organization like the. Um, you can help me on this again. Alliance Defending yeah. Freedom. Yeah. ADF or something like that. I wonder if also as a social case manager, if she's working for the government. I mean, that's well, what's that makes difference? it even worse. <laughs> makes it even worse, of course. Um, but I, I really commend her for, first of all, not wearing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I commend her for thinking about this and trying to figure this out ahead of time. Because I think we do need to think about these things and make our decision ahead of time. Right. This is my line. This is what I'm going to say. Yes. And this is what I will give up so that I am not promoting something I disagree that's with. That's right. That's right. And I hope you don't have to your job is not threatened, but that's that is the basis of a lawsuit. And when this stuff gets litigated, then then these people are going to stop doing this stuff. But um incidentally, I think the simplest way to to deal with this, the very simplest way, your first line is, no thank you. No thank you. With a smile, no thank you, go back to your work. No thank you. Well, we as a company are supporting this. Well, then you're welcome to support it, but no thank you. You follow your conscience, employer, I'm going to follow mine. Well, thoughtful dude, we would like to hear what happens with this. I'm very curious to hear if she's ever asked or you know, what she says. Read the book, Live Not By Lies, mm-hmm. because this isn't what we're talking about here is discussed ideologically and culturally in that fairly easy to read book, but it's frightening because this is the totalitarianism. This is the fascism that is taking over our country on multiple, pardon me, on multiple levels, not just the hard totalitarianism from the government but the soft totalitarianism from woke corporations and leftist corporations and enterprises like Google and Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. All right, let's go to a question from Mariah Boehm. Isn't 1 Peter 3.15 more about hope in times of suffering than about apologetics where hope isn't the issue? It seems to be taken out of context in apologetic circles. Hmm, okay. Um, the verse that is usually... The way the verse is usually characterized is this way. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. All right. Now, uh, let me just 
talk about the verse, and then I'm going to read more of the context, okay? What it says is that you are to not have hope in the midst of it. It presumes you do have a hope that you are supposed to characterize in a, um, I almost said defensive way, but that has a different connotation, characterize your hope in a way that the hope that you have makes sense. This isn't about having hope in persecution. This is about how you respond to persecution by explaining the reasons that you already have hope. And the hope we have is in Christ and in eternal life, etc., etc. Lots of ways to characterize it, all right? So this is a, a generalized command, directive, that we are to be ready to make a an apologia. It's interesting. People, people say, well, this, you're using this for apologetics, and maybe this is an apologetics verse. But that's the word. <laughs> this is where we get the word. Make a defense. This is an apologia. To everyone who asks you to give an account for that hope in you. And do it with gentleness and reverence, he says, and he gives the reasons why. Because in, it's persuasive and it's virtuous. Huh. However, um, the, the directive is to be ready to make a defense. Now, when you read the larger context, uh, he is talking about how we are to comport ourselves with other people. And in fact, for the chapter before, there's patterns of submission to government and to uh, and to to employers, the way we would read it now, uh, masters. Uh, then there's patterns in marriage, first part of chapter three. Um, six verses to women, um, second, then one verse to men, um, important things that they need to take. And then in verse 8, it says, to sum up, all of you be harmonious, no, all of you. Now, this is like, here's how you to be in culture, in your relationships with, in your family, in your relationship with your employer, in your relationship with the government, whatever, uh, as on balance here. Let all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, um, humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead for you're called to inherit a blessing. And then there's an Old Testament passage he's mentioning. So he said, and then he says in verse 13, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? So if you apply this stuff, what I just said, you're probably not going to have trouble. Who is there to harm you? But then he answers this question. Oh, well, some people will. <laughs> what do you do then? Who is there to harm you? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, a theme, by the way, through the whole book, good for you. Don't fear them. Don't be troubled. But be ready to make a defense. So what we have here in verse 15 is a broad statement about being ready, and then in the context, it's giving a specific example where we employ our readiness, and that is in the midst of suffering unjustly. And in fact, in the second century, a lot of the original apologetics works were written to speak to those who were causing persecution among the Christians— and defending the Christians uh, as virtuous people um, and good citizens, by and large, 
against the challenges of the culture. So I think that's how that all works together. So the, the idea here in this book, especially around this this part, is even when you are being reviled, just as Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return, what we are called to do is to continue to do what is right. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, you know, they're, however they are trying to harm you for your righteousness, we are to continue in that righteousness. So he says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. He is your Lord. You do not give in. You do not respond in kind. You do not respond with evil to evil. We're supposed to continue to do what God does. Now, when we do that, we're going to look different from the world. When we suffer for righteousness, we, you know, just in the last question, mm-hmm. she might suffer for righteousness. When people see that she lets her jo- dream job go, if it comes to that, for the purpose of being righteous, what do you think they're going to think? They're going to think, all right, she's serious. Mm-hmm. There's something she loves more than this job. There's someone she loves more than this job. And now I want to understand, why would you give up this job? Why, why would you let people harm you for the sake of righteousness? What is your hope? What is your reason for this? That's what pa- but Peter's getting at. And that's, the, that's what we're going to explain. Right. So even if this, this verse isn't talking about specifically apologetics arguments for God, it doesn't matter. What's happening here is that you are, Peter is, is saying, put yourself in a position where people are going to see that what you think is real and they're going to ask you why you're doing what you're mm-hmm. doing. And, and that's when you explain the gospel. And that's where apologetics comes in. It comes in as we are explaining the gospel to people and we're making a case for the gospel. So even though he's not saying, he's not talking about apologetic arguments there, he's still talking about explaining what we believe and, 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 you know, making a case for that. Sure. Uh, just a sec, kind of a secular reflection here. Um, this is something that as individuals we should be doing, saying no to what's wrong and being willing to pay the price for it. Okay, that's what Amy's been talking about. Turns out there is quite a movement right now where lots and lots of people are saying no to what they think is wrong. This is right now mostly expressed with regards to the vaccine. And I'm not taking sides on this right now, but I am just making the point there are a lot of people who will not take the, I know, I have friends of mine who have lost work. I have a friend who's a famous surgeon, and he can't work in a lot of places because he will not get the vaccine. And uh, and my son, my son, the same thing. He's an ER nurse and a whole bunch of other people. And you, you've seen it, you, you've seen this, the mass exodus. People in the military, they're leaving the military. They are leaving their their form of employment as a to say i am not going to succumb to an illicit totalitarian move this being one of them i believe again i'm not weighing in one way or another i'm just saying this is what they're saying and i'm willing to suffer loss to do what i think is the right thing so when christians now on these particular issues are mentioning you're actually part of a larger movement saying no to a broader totalitarian impulse. So you're not so alone as you might have been apart from this circumstance. There are lots of people that are saying no now to uh, to illicit intrusion into private lives. 
And uh, Christians of all people, I think, have the best foundation to say no on the kinds of things that we were. The question was that Kelly was asking about. But there is there is a safety in doing what's right. But there's also safety in numbers, and so when you can do it right, what's right, and still have numbers that are kind of marching along with you, all, all the better for making a difference in culture. And what makes this situation in First Peter even more powerful than, say, any other response to totalitarianism, people can see, people can see, um, even secular people can see the, the value of standing up against a totalitarian regime, mm-hmm. especially looking back. Even they can see that. But now imagine being in a situation where the only explanation is your love for God. That is very powerful. That is mm-hmm. that is a powerful testimony about the reality of God and the value of God, mm-hmm. both of those things. And that's why our continuing to follow him through suffering is such a powerful mm-hmm. thing that causes people to ask us about it. Mm-hmm. Because when we live our lives, you know, you could think about any number of, of moral moral oh, I can't think of the word concerns issues yeah, any kind of, of of ways that Christians act like um, say no sex outside of marriage when people see that they do not understand it That's and they right. and they want to know <laughs> why are you giving this up are what are you giving crazy? this up for yeah, right. <laughs> so there are all sorts of ways that that this plays out and it's it's a powerful testimony to the glory of God all right, Greg, we're out of time. Thank you for your questions, Thoughtful Dude and Moriah. We appreciate mm-hmm. hearing from you. Send us your questions through our website or through Twitter with the hashtag STRask. This is Amy Hall and Greg Kokel for Stand to Reason. Mm-hmm.